0: Team conflict and an appeal for calm. We've seen uh, an uptick in potentially harmful online rhetoric. The online threats targeting youth involved in a recent homicide.
1: Sick pay promise delayed. Sad to say at month 14 that we haven't resolved this issue. What's holding up a lifeline that could help limit the spread as hundreds line up to get their first shots?
2: And... Food Fight.
1: They claim we're stealing their business.
2: Local restaurants fed up with food trucks moving into their neighborhood.
3: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening
1: and thanks for joining us. Fraser Health launched a few last-minute vaccination clinics today and the uptake was huge.
2: Was it ever. Some people waiting hours to get their AstraZeneca shot. Aaron MacArthur is live there with more. Aaron, it's open now to ages 30 and older while supplies last, of course, and there's still quite a lineup behind you.
4: Yeah, Chris. The clinic here in Coquitlam was supposed to go until 7 o'clock, but I can tell you there are way more people than an hour's worth of appointments here in line. The people at the front of the line now have been here since 3 o'clock just to get to their shots. Uh, A couple of things that have popped up through the course of the day. These clinics, the pop-up clinics in Coquitlam and Surrey were supposed to be for targeting the hot spots that Bonnie Henry uh, uh, identified a couple of weeks ago. Postal codes in and around these hot spots but I've talked to several people today from around the region who were over 30 lined up and got their shot nobody seems to be checking where these people are, are living everyone's welcome now while most people are happy to wait the three hours there have been several who have just given up and gone home and the neighborhood around the Poirier Rec Center here in Coquitlam a bit frazzled with all the traffic and people on the streets but by and large everyone who's here happy to be getting their first shot
5: how many blocks uh, it's got to be at least 600 meters and more.
4: Yeah. Oh my goodness. 6, How many people meters? do you guess?
1: Several thousand.
4: <laughs> I've been here for two and a quarter. So it took you over two hours to get your shot?
6: Yep. Yeah. Well, I was working and I found out uh, about the drop-in and went right away. No hesitancy at all.
4: Yeah, as you said off the top, Chris, there's only, you know, while supplies last, there's about 100,000 or so AstraZeneca shots in the province, according to the health minister from from yesterday. Undetermined how many are left and how many people will get their pop-up clinic shot today or or if these pop-up clinics will continue. We're going to keep watching this uh, throughout the night. Hopefully we get some more answers from Fraser Health and the Ministry of Health. Back to you. Let's hope so. Okay, thanks very much, Aaron.
1: Well, last week, the province announced new travel restrictions for B.C., and today the premier hinted at what enforcement will look like. Keith Baldry joins us live with some of the details of what's expected. But first, Keith, an update on vaccine uptake, and it looks pretty good, according to what we saw with Aaron. Uh, tell us more about the numbers.
7: Yeah, with more than 1.5 million British Columbians getting at least one dose, I thought it would be timely to take a look at the take up based on age. And so, again, very encouraging numbers. People over the age of 70, the take up is impressive at 82% of those eligible for the shot. 60 uh, 69, a lower figure, as with the 50 59. But of course, those people have been in the queue for a lot shorter time than the older crowd. So, those are encouraging numbers. Uh, right now, we're on track of, of vaccinating 1% of the population a day. So so we could hit uh, well more than 60 percent of the population by the, by the uh, long weekend in May and certainly 70 in, percent uh, in, at the end of May. Uh, Premier John Horgan today talking about those travel restrictions. We still don't have all the details. One of the big questions is how do you enforce it on ferries? The Ferry Workers Union say they're not the essential police, but John Horgan talking police presence at the ferry terminals today.
8: We're collaborating and focusing on finding the best way forward. Minister Farmer has also met with representatives from the bike BIPOC community to hear their concerns, and we've incorporated that in how we've uh, constructed the orders and how we'll deal with enforcement. And then it will fall to law enforcement to make their choices about how they will implement that. At ferry terminals, of course, we have mostly RCMP, but the Delta Municipal Force would be uh, called upon in Tawasin, and the West Vancouver
7: force will be called upon at uh, Horseshoe Bay. I talked to Public Safety Minister Mike Farmer today about when we're going to see the fine print of this. He says they're still working on it. Uh, Look for Thursday or Friday to be the announcement. Basically, not huge surprises, guys. I think it's going to be uh, uh, counterattack road stops uh, at uh, Highway 1 outside of Metro Vancouver, on the Coquihalla well outside Metro Vancouver. Basically, the routes to get into the interior are going to have those stops. Not 24-7. I kind of doubt that. And again, not random uh, stops. Just basically counterattack. Everybody goes through. Everybody gets checked.
1: Mm. And hoping people will just stay home and not even venture out unless it's essential. All right, thanks for that, Keith.
2: All right, let's take a look at the latest numbers now. We have 799 new cases, bringing B.C.'s total to just over 127,000. 8,089 cases are active at the moment, with 500 people in hospital. 164 of those patients in the ICU. 11,792 people are in self-isolation. And here's some good news. Thankfully, there are no new deaths to report.
1: Well, few communities have been more isolated due to pandemic travel restrictions than the small U.S. exclave of Point Roberts. Now, with most of the residents of town fully vaccinated, community leaders are pitching a plan to help vaccinate Canadians and hopefully start relaxing border restrictions. Katherine Urquhart has the details.
9: In the tiny exclave of Point Roberts, Washington, more than 70% of residents are now fully vaccinated. But it remains a ghost town, and they're desperate to see the return of Canadians. Their fire chief says he would like to offer vaccinations to Canadians with homes in Point Roberts.
10: They would come to a location just over the border and uh, go through a vaccine event. They would never get out of their vehicle. They would just roll down their window. They'd have to wait for 15 minutes or 30 minutes, depending on allergic reactions in the past.
9: Giving vaccinations to Canadians has already happened in northern B.C., Alaska recently hand-delivered vaccines for residents of Stewart, B.C., with a similar goal, to help ease restrictions along the border. At a press conference Tuesday, Premier John Horgan suggested there could be more vaccine sharing.
8: I'll be talking to Governor Inslee later in the week as I do regularly and we'll be talking about a range of border type issues. Uh, We've seen an example in Manitoba where uh, Premier Pallister and the Governor of North Dakota have reached an agreement to vaccinate uh, cross-border truckers.
9: Also encouraging, comments made by White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. We may be in a position to reroute shipments planned for other countries with lower immediate needs. Of course, authorities on both sides of the border would need to approve of the idea. If given the go-ahead, the town's fire chief says vaccinating Canadians could be a win-win.
10: Realistically, a very uh, promising location to uh, help vaccinate Canadians and also get some influx
0: into our community for the summer.
9: This community of less than a thousand people looking for any possible solution which could help end their isolation and resurrect their economy. Katherine Urquhart, Global News.
2: So you heard the B.C. Premier mention it very quickly in that report. B.C. truck drivers are hoping there's another vaccine option for them right across the border in the U.S. The B.C. Trucking Association says talks are underway to allow B.C. truckers who move goods in and out of the U.S. to receive a shot in Washington state if they can't get it here. A similar program has been set up between Manitoba and North Dakota. Anyone 16 and older in Washington state can now get a shot. Trucking Association President Dave Earl says drivers want any chance to get immunized.
1: Well, the pressure keeps growing on Premier John Horgan to follow through on his promise to institute provincial sick pay benefits for people who don't have them. As Richard Zussman reports, it has now been a full year since Horgan first promised to fill the gaps in the federal program.
10: Sick pay blame game. <laughs>
8: We didn't get the program we needed at the time we needed it from the federal government and uh, they've done a lot of great things over the past 14 months but this is not one of them. Provinces uh, need to look at the way to deliver uh, sick leave through directly through employers which the federal government can't do.
10: It has been more than a year since British Columbia first brought the COVID-19 sick pay program to the table but even so many workers still don't have support. So they're making the decision between missing wages and staying home to either get a COVID test or watch their symptoms.
3: It's kind of a back and forth between the provincial and federal governments on who's going to, you know, foot the bill on this. While they're figuring that out, people are getting sick.
10: The federal government does have a program. You're eligible if you're sick with COVID or may have COVID or advised to self-isolate due to the virus or have underlying health conditions putting you at greater risk to get COVID. But it has major gaps. A worker is only eligible if they miss more than half their shifts in a Monday to Sunday week, can only receive up to $450 after tax for a week, and the payments are often delayed. BBC Liberals say the province should be closing these gaps.
11: This is a promise that the Premier made a year ago. Uh, he said that if uh, the federal government didn't uh, step up to the plate, he would. No one
10: knows how many COVID cases a sick pay program could avoid. But health officials do know people are still going to work sick. In Fraser Health alone, more than 50 businesses have been forced
5: to close due to COVID spread at the workplace. It is an important part of uh, the workplace program to make sure that workers are able to stay home when they're sick.
8: We do not want to hamper industry at this moment at a critical time in the pandemic, with additional costs. So we're going to find the resources. The resources are not the issue, it's the delivery of the programs.
10: Premier John Horgan says he was disappointed the federal government didn't include additional funding for sick pay in the budget. And now the province knows that federal money is not coming. They will have more to say in the coming days around how B.C. will fill the gaps. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria. Vancouver police
2: are appealing for calm in the aftermath of the stabbing death of a 15-year-old boy over the weekend. The VPD says they've seen threats of retaliation on social media, some of it misidentifying the people involved. At the same time, we're hearing from the mother of the teenage victim, and Grace Key joins us now with the latest there. Grace.
12: Yeah, we're just here at Garden Park where a vigil is underway for the young 15-year-old. We uh, saw about 60 or so teens. Some adults as well have been gathered here just a few minutes ago. They let uh, some balloons loose as well. This is all coming as Vancouver police are asking for calm. Threats of retaliation are being posted on social media following the fatal stabbing of a teenage boy at Vancouver's Almond Park. Vancouver police are now appealing for cooler heads.
0: We have been monitoring uh, online, seen a lot of social media chatter that is concerning to us. Some of this has misidentified some teens as having been involved in this incident and, and other um, online posts have inappropriately singled out other people for retribution.
12: A 15-year-old boy was stabbed in the chest and a 14-year-old arrested after police say there was an altercation at the park involving two groups of teens known to one another. It happened around 1:30 Saturday afternoon near Dunbar and West 13th Avenue. The 14-year-old was charged with possession of a weapon for a dangerous purpose, neither can be named because they are youths. The victim's mother has released a statement to Global BC regarding her son He was a generous boy with his friends and a loving brother. He faced challenges in the last years, but recently started to turn the corner. A few days ago, he told a counselor he wanted to be a lawyer so he could help others like him. Vancouver Police say they will be deploying officers where needed to address any concerns.
0: We're asking parents to be aware of this, to have a conversation with your kids about uh, posting and viewing um, online material uh, appropriately, and also understanding what their um, kids are up to uh, if they're uh, leaving the house.
12: So the vigil is expected to be going on until about 10 o'clock tonight. We did see officers uh, around the plot park earlier. The teens are saying they don't expect any trouble tonight. The investigation into the stabbing, meanwhile, is continuing.
2: All right, Grace, thank you.
12: Coquitlam RCMP say they are
1: investigating whether a fight and stabbing are connected to a frightening shooting outside the busy Coquitlam Centre Mall on Monday afternoon. Police confirm one shot was fired in the incident in the mall's parking lot. Luckily, no one was hurt though. It appears to have struck a watering tank at a nearby garden centre. Just before the shooting, police say a number of people were involved in a fight nearby and a 23-year-old man was stabbed. He was treated in hospital for non-life threatening injuries and is not cooperating with police RCMP say at this point they're not certain if the fight and the shooting are related or tied to the ongoing lower mainland gang violence there there definitely is an element
13: of danger and you know as, as police we can't predict where that's going to happen but we certainly take all measures that we can to make sure the community is safe Um, by, you know, providing increased patrols, uh, working with our Uniform Crime Reduction Unit, um, more members, uh, you know, out and about in the areas that, that that
9: have these reported shootings take place.
1: Police are asking any witnesses to the fight, stabbing or shooting, or anyone with dash cam footage of the area at the time to contact them.
2: Vancouver police are warning about an art instructor charged now with sexually assaulting a child he took on as a client. 50-year-old Xiao Zhai Chen is accused of sexually assaulting a 9-year-old student during a lesson on March 22nd inside Chen's home, which is near E 64th and Prince Edward Street. Chen has been charged with one count of sexual assault, one count of sexual interference, and one count of invitation to sexual touching. He is not to have any unsupervised contact with anyone under the age of 16. If your child attended lessons at Chen's home, Vancouver police want you to contact them.
1: The Vancouver School Board is the first in the province to axe the long-standing school liaison officer program. The board voted 8-1 to 1 Monday night to phase out uniformed police officers from city schools by the end of June. The decision follows months of debate over the value of the partnership and concerns about the potential impact of uniformed police officers on student mental health. The new Westminster School Board is expected to decide on the future of its officer liaison program at a meeting tonight.
2: What a roller coaster ride for the PNE Playland, and it's over before it even began. A plan to open this weekend has been delayed, after a lot of confusion about whether it could even operate safely. The flip flop on outdoor fun. Next on the News Hour, a potential breakthrough in the treatment of diabetes. A new study that needs volunteers, and we'll show you why there is no time to waste. Coming up.
1: And busy beavers cause big problems for residents of Tumblr Ridge. What they used to build part of their den, that's later.
2: Right now, though, what a wild ride. Playland is postponing its planned reopening this weekend.
1: The park says it was ready to go with a strong COVID-19 safety plan in place. But after discussions today with the Provincial Health Office, they are making a change. Global Ahmad Agahi joins us live now with the details. Ahmad, this seems to center around concerns about drawing travelers from outside of the region.
11: And it's a decision that was really made in the last uh, two hours or so, and it appears to be a decision from the top. We'll start by reading you a statement that landed in our inboxes at around 4 o'clock this afternoon, and that statement uh, was from a spokesperson with Playland that said, during discussions today with the Provincial Health Office, concern was raised related to Playland drawing travel outside of the regional health authorities. Due to this concern, we were asked to remain closed until after the Maylong weekend to support the Provincial Circuit Breaker. Now, originally, Playland had approval from Vancouver Coastal Health to open this weekend. Despite some public backlash and the ongoing restrictions, people in charge here had full confidence they could keep uh, people coming through the gates safe with the precautions they had in place. But uh, many, including public health experts, did raise concerns with the optics of opening uh, during the COVID situation. Here is the Playland spokesperson.
14: (laughs) I would say it's disappointment. Obviously, these, these are unusual times and things change very quickly. And we recognize that. I think there's 600 staff that won't get to go to work. Um, there's a lot of people that actually felt very confident in our plans. We certainly, um, respect and thank the support from Vancouver Coastal Health and, and their guidance and support of our plan.
12: And I know that Playland has said that last year they had no cases um,
5: it during in their outbreak, but it was a different situation. First of all, the case numbers over the summer were much lower than what we're dealing with right now. And we didn't have the variants, um, and which is honestly adding a whole different element of um, transmissibility that we can't ignore right now.
11: And you can hear the frustration in Laura Balance's voice, of course, the spokesperson with Playland, because they were ready to go for this weekend. Again, Playland, through discussions it has had with the Public Health Office, has been asked to and will delay its opening until uh, after May long weekend to align with the province's circuit breaker restrictions in place.
1: Sure, some kids will be disappointed about that, but we'll have to just wait it out for now. All right, thanks for that, Ahmad. Just ahead, a high-risk hot zone then you are three times
13: more likely to end up hospitalized as a result of COVID-19.
1: Figuring out why First Nations on Vancouver Island are disproportionately affected by COVID-19.
2: And another tool to help you get that refund for canceled air travel coming up.
9: A fire at Strathcona Park in Vancouver has Pryor Street completely blocked in both directions at Campbell Avenue. Still driving around on winter tires, drive into Mr. Lube for same-day tire changes, no appointment needed. 15 lower mainland locations, find one near you at mrlube.com. I'm Trish Wilson in Global One, high above a fire in Vancouver.
1: Despite efforts to prioritize vaccinations, B.C.'s First Nations communities continue to be hit hard by the pandemic.
2: There have been thousands of cases and at a much higher rate than the general population. Kylie Stanton has more on what might be behind the troubling numbers.
13: Lining up, patiently waiting their turn. Throughout this pandemic, Indigenous communities have shown they're willing to do whatever it takes to protect their own.
7: We all want the same thing.
13: But only now are we learning of the disproportionate impact COVID-19 has had among First Nations people. It's shocking, but it's things that we've seen and we've worked through since the very beginning of this pandemic. According to a new community situation report released by the First Nations Health Authority, despite representing only 7.6% of Vancouver Island's population, Indigenous people account for 34.9% of COVID-19 cases. When it comes to the rate of positive cases, it shows 1,323 per 100,000 for the Indigenous population versus only 202 per 100,000 for the non-Indigenous population. That's almost seven times higher. And the list goes on. If you are Indigenous, and you live on Vancouver Island, then you are three times more likely to end up hospitalized as a result of COVID-19 and four times more likely to die as a result of COVID-19. Charlson says the discrepancy is driven by several factors, but it's the lack of trust in the health care system that remains the biggest concern. The 2020 report In Plain Sight revealed widespread racism in B.C.'s health care system. Now there's concern the pandemic has only widened the gaps.
15: We are going to need to make sure that the COVID-19 pandemic has not driven First Nations people more away from the healthcare care system because of this racism. But right
13: now, the focus is on the vaccine uptake.
6: I encourage Indigenous people 18 and above to get vaccinated. And I think in general, across the pandemic, um, the First Nations Health Authority, but particularly uh, First Nations communities, Indigenous communities, have done very well.
13: It's finally paying off. Cases among Indigenous populations are on the decline. The hope is to now use this data to inform public health actions moving forward. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
2: If you are still struggling to get a refund for a flight canceled by the air carrier due to COVID, you might be interested to hear BC has consumer protection laws that could help get your money back. Consumer Matters reporter Andrea is here with the details. and Thanks,
14: Chris. Consumer Protection BC is the provincial regulator and it wants the public to know that if you've been denied a refund for travel that was cancelled by your travel supplier, including airlines, cruise lines, or tour operators, which has been the case during the pandemic, BC's consumer protection laws give you cancellation rights. Those cancellation rights apply if you booked online, over the phone, by email, or by fax. These types of contracts are called distant sales contracts and Apply to BC-based businesses and any business dealing with a BC consumer, including travel suppliers. You are eligible to apply for a refund if you are a BC resident and your travel service was not available to you. For example, the airline cancelled your flight. You are not eligible if the travel service was available, but regardless of the reason, including COVID-19, you decided not to travel. BC's consumer protection laws don't come into play if a consumer voluntarily cancelled. Impacted travellers should go to consumerprotectionbc.ca for information about eligibility, what forms to use, and the steps needed to request a refund properly. If that fails, Consumer Protection BC says it has the authority to step in and enforce the law.
16: There are many other instances where consumers are not coming to us um, after uh, facing difficulty obtaining a refund and being only offered a voucher. And for that reason, we want to make consumers aware of what their rights are under consumer protection laws to exercise their rights of cancellation to receive a full refund. And if they do not receive a full refund, that they should be coming to our office and we are prepared to exercise our enforcement powers to order the travel suppliers and the credit card companies to provide these refunds.
14: And just a reminder, if you choose this route, it could take months to get a refund. Also, you may recall Air Canada has since announced its refund process. Consumer Protection BC suggests dealing with the airline first. If you are denied, you can reach out to the provincial regulator to see if they can assist you. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at globalnews.ca.
2: All right, always good to have another tool at your disposal. Thanks, Anne.
1: Still ahead, contradictions at the Cullen Commission.
15: And did he do anything about it, to your knowledge?
1: Not that I'm aware of. How today's testimony doesn't quite add up with what we heard from the former B.C. finance minister.
2: And testing a drug that just might, might be a cure for diabetes. But they need volunteers to take part in a study, and they need them fast. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite
3: business throughout our province. Believe BC, brought to you in part by the BCTF, our kids and their teachers worth investing in.
9: Traffic is steady in both directions over here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge, with just some minor delays on the east-west connector between Knight and the S-curve. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex
17: Fraser Bridge.
2: A former BC government deputy minister has seemingly contradicted the testimony of a former cabinet minister at the inquiry into money laundering in BC.
1: As John Hua reports, she told the Cullen Commission a markedly different story of how the Liberal government at the time reacted to mountains of suspicious cash at BC casinos.
16: It was just the result of more reporting, an increase in high rollers coming from overseas.
15: Suspicious cash was still elevating, and um, and I was getting various um, explanations for why that might be.
16: But Cheryl Wenizenki yolen the associate deputy minister responsible for gaming from 2013 to 2017, told the Cullen Commission she didn't completely buy in to the explanations for a surge in suspicious cash entering BC casinos.
15: Some of the explanations that I had that I been hearing that were common explanations, just they, it wasn't sufficient.
16: In fact, a full review of the BC Lottery Corporation in late 2014 found just that. Some of the shady money was most likely tied to suspicious activity. When BCLC said maybe some of the cash came from underground banks, that answer didn't make Wenezanki Yolen feel any better.
15: Why was it your view that the government wouldn't want any part of that uh, business? Well, it sounded like it wasn't, it was to me, anything that goes against the law is illegal.
16: When Izenki Yolan later said it was enough of a concern that she brought it up with her boss, then Finance Minister Michael De Jong.
15: And did he do anything about it, to your knowledge? Not that I'm aware
16: of. Instead, the stacks of suspicious cash in casinos continued to pile up skyrocketing to astronomical levels in July of 2015. One proposed solution by the Gaming Policy and Enforcement Branch, or GPEB, always demand the source of funds when it's over a certain dollar amount.
15: The level of risk elevates when the dollars get to a certain amount. So that, that could actually be one of
16: the items that you might consider. But when Azenki Yulin said GPEB's new anti-money laundering measure became a sticking point. The commission already seeing evidence, BCLC knew it could result in hundreds of millions of dollars in lost revenue.
15: From my perspective, they appeared to be pushing back a bit on the source of funds area.
16: To bridge the gap, GPEB's general manager asked DeYoung for a ministerial directive that would force BCLC to comply. We didn't get approval for a directive, but the minister was prepared to write a letter. This week, DeYoung told the commission regardless of the format, his direction was clear. The sentence that began, um,
0: uh, I direct, uh, seemed to me to be uh, pretty clear.
16: His own associate deputy minister telling a very different story, stating that despite writing a letter backing the gaming regulator, De Jong's support leaned towards the BCLC. The minister also wouldn't mandate exactly what to do.
15: He was reluctant, really, to step in, um, in and make a decision between the two.
16: So BCLC was left to continue its existing approach of only sourcing funds from certain players.
0: I was advised by Cheryl Wenzenkiolen that that the minister didn't mean all funds. He meant just uh, keep
16: doing it, you know, with a, on your on your risk basis. When Yolin testified, that never meant BCLC was told not to adopt GPEB's approach.
15: Under no circumstances, what I have communicated to Mr. Lightbody, that that should be interpreted as they can keep doing what they're doing.
16: Whether it was a lack of intervention or clear direction, this disconnect over the best way to stop suspicious cash from entering BC casinos only seems to have been driven further apart under the leadership of Michael DeYoung. John Hua, Global News.
1: BC researchers are looking for volunteers for a new study that could be life-changing for people with type 1 diabetes. As Linda Ellsworth reports, their ultimate goal is nothing less than eliminating the need for insulin shots.
5: One in 200 Canadians develop type 1 diabetes by the age of 35. Type 1 diabetes is caused by the cells that make insulin, beta cells, being destroyed by the immune system. The misguided invasion by our immune cells shown in green eventually kills so many beta cells shown in blue that they aren't able to produce enough insulin and glucose levels rise. That's what happened to 24-year-old Jeremy Borco last year.
0: I was extremely fatigued, um, drinking like way too much water. um, And I also had lost 25 pounds. Still reeling
5: from the diagnosis, Jeremy was referred to Dr. Tom Elliott, who had some promising news. I said, by the way, you're eligible for this study.
0: I was like, absolutely, get me on board.
5: The study involves this drug, Stelara or ustekinumab. It's used for psoriatic arthritis and Crohn's disease, which, like type 1 diabetes, are caused when the immune system attacks healthy cells. It's a form of autoimmunity, and they can all be switched off with this amazing drug, ustekinumab. They hope to enroll 60 participants between the ages of 18 and 25 who live in Western Canada. There's also another study that involves newly diagnosed children. We have 100 days to get them into the study. If you have diabetes and newly diagnosed and you're on insulin, we'd love to have you. 100 days, because by the time a person is diagnosed, they only have a tenth of the 10 billion beta cells they were born with, and you need at least some surviving cells to benefit. We don't claim that it's a cure. We, 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 it, we, we hope that it is, and, and it's it's part of the, the scientific process that leads to a cure. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
2: Up ahead, the food
3: truck fight in Steveston. We're all small businesses, so why are there other small businesses bullying small businesses?
2: Why the operators feel betrayed by their competition and by the city.
1: Also ahead, proof that beavers will chew on anything that gets in their way.
2: Christy Gordon joins us now with weather. Amazing shots of that supermoon last night. Christy, will we get a chance to see it again tonight?
17: Uh, unfortunately too much cloud cover right now Chris but I do have some phenomenal photos for you let's have a look at them um, this one from the Vancouver area Ben Lee sent it to us and uh, it's pink supermoon by the way pink referring to that it's in April and we tend to get blooms or flowers in April so pink supermoon and it really did have a pink hue at times so thank you to Ben for that one and look at this one this is from Alan Gray he was photographing it from a uh, camera river looking out to uh middle natch island and another gorgeous shot and look at this one i really like this one from dave reimer uh, on horse lake and a nice reflection with the loon there so thank you to everyone for your great photos uh tough to handle waking up to snowfall this morning in fort st john fort nelson as well and you still have more snow on the way there's a snowfall warning in place for the uh, highway 97 sort of uh, towards um, Prince George area, so that's where we're expecting another 5 to 10 centimeters of snow. It will ease off for you tomorrow morning, but a tough go, certainly. So there's that band shifting north, that snowfall band shifting north. Heavy rain, though, along the north and central coast, and that shifts down into the Sunshine Coast, as well as northern part of Vancouver Island, right down into Comox and Campbell River tomorrow morning. We also have a chance of showers tomorrow, especially in the afternoon hours. That's going to shift into our region, so a wet day tomorrow. Don't leave home without rain jacket, but it moves further north of our region on Thursday, so back to drier weather and even some breaks of blue sky. So sunshine expected for the northern regions by the end of the day, also some breaks in through the Okanagan Valley, but the north and central coast very wet, and the south coast also looking at rainfall. Mainly north of Metro Vancouver, we're really only looking at a few showers for our region here. Drier on Thursday, but back to periods of rain as the cold front swings through on Friday. And I'll leave you with tonight's central windows, weather window, despite some gray and uh, clouds off in the distance. Another beautiful shot of the tulip fields, this one in Abbotsford. Love the colors. Thank you, Christy.
1: Thank
2: you. Enough for the tulips. All right. Thanks very much. Residents of the northern BC town of Tumbler Ridge suddenly found themselves without many modern conveniences. Further investigation discovered it was a uniquely Canadian service disruption.
1: Just after 4 a.m. on Saturday, nearly a thousand Tumbler Ridge residents lost their internet, TV, mobile service telus technicians scrambled to determine what had happened and came upon this their main cable which was buried a meter underground had been exposed the four and a half inch conduit had been breached and the cable severed in multiple locations they immediately determined that the saboteurs were beavers now not these specific beavers that you see on your screen but you know, they looked similar. They had dug down to the cable and actually used some of the conduit material to build their dam. Of course, they did. Technicians went to work in the partially frozen ground and got services back up by Sunday afternoon.
18: Uh, that is a. I find fat that funny. Beaver. Did you see who did it? Yes, it was a beaver. Was Can you describe beaver. the beaver? Uh, well, it looks said, like a beaver.
1: Looks like a beaver.
18: Yeah,
1: it's got a flat tail. <laughs> and- <laughs>
18: All right, kind of like all right, that obviously.
1: All right. That obviously. What do you have for us? i
18: got uh, Gary Bettman says the NHL will not let border restrictions mess up this year's playoffs.
4: Explore all of our options and maintain the flexibility to do whatever we have to do.
18: You know, Gary has a nice backyard. Uh, they'll figure out how to get the Canadian team into the Final Four and where that team would have to play.
1: Also ahead, the food truck fiasco in Steveston. How operators say they were blindsided when the city went back on a promise.
2: the planning to do to figure out how playoffs are going to work out here?
18: Yes, uh, especially with the Canadian team that makes the Final Four. So the NHL playoffs will begin next month and all four divisions will play within themselves until there are four teams left, uh, one from each division. So the question is, if there is still border restrictions what does the canadian team in the final four do the nhl won't say for sure but they don't seem very favorable to the bubble idea again
10: if we can't travel in canada either as among the provinces or from the u.s to canada and back we'll make whatever adjustments we have to do uh to to get the the playoffs completed
18: So one idea that apparently is floating around the NHL head office, if teams can't travel in and out of Canada, then the Canadian team would have to relocate in an American city close to the team it's playing in the semifinals and play all the games in the U.S., kind of like what the Whitecaps are doing, the Blue Jays, the Raptors, teams from Canada in U.S. leagues. North Vancouver's Connor Bedard, 15-year-old was ripping it up with the Regina Pats. Now he's playing for Canada's under 18 at the World Under 18 Championships, which are going on in Texas, of all places. First goal, Shane Wright from the OHL, and this is Bedard setting up the third goal by Brett Harrison, 4-0 for Canada. Canada's actually not won a medal at the U18 since 2015, and we haven't won gold since 2013 when a young GX Connor man. McDavid led the squad. Champions the League player. semi-finals. Realistic. Christian Pulisic, the American, scoring for Chelsea on Real Madrid to make it 1-0. This game ends up 1-1. Karim Benzema, brilliant goal right here.
3: Benzema, brilliant.
18: Yes, it was brilliant. 1-1. That's the first leg of two. SFU golfer Estee Lung has a number of honours from her time on the golf team at SFU. Uh, Freshman of the Year in her conference back in 2018. First team all-conference last year and... Most impressive, all academic team member two straight years.
8: St. Lung personifies the perfect image of a student athlete, and when we say perfect, we're not just talking about her golf swing. Tell me what you're taking at university.
15: Oh, I'm right now majoring in biomedical physiology.
8: And once again, your grade point average is
11: three point nine eight. <laughs> St is a straight-A student.
8: For the third straight year, she's earned all academic status. It's an impressive achievement for somebody who's also trying to keep her golf game sharp in a year void of any tournaments due to COVID.
15: I think academics and golf is really my... Equal priority, like one A and one B. Golf has been a big part of my life, and at the same time, I still want to like um, keep my academics up and also um, get a job in the future as well. So it's really important for me for both.
6: Esti is phenomenal, and she's so humble too. Like we talked about her academics and her golf. She didn't mention that she's also a learning coach within athletics, helping uh, upcoming players practice their study habits, really focus on their academics. She's on our student athlete advisory committee where last year they were nominated for a national SAC award in all of NCAA for their work with Special Olympics BC. And then she's doing full-time research in a lab with a professor where she's actually part of the research team and will be putting together a paper going forward. So she is an exceptional human um, and we benefit from having her on the SFU golf team.
8: Having your field of study being molecular biology and biochemistry during a pandemic has not only heightened St's awareness about COVID and how it affects one's body, it's also benefited her ability to analyze and improve her golf game.
15: I've taken a biomechanics class, and it definitely helped me, like, to understand like torque or like just so many fancy like um, theory that helped me a lot.
6: You come to SFU as a student and an athlete, and we talk about it being one A and one B. Our goal with the program is to help you prepare for what's next in life. Some athletes, they get it from day one. And Esty's been one of those athletes where she's come in and she's made our program better on the golf course, in the classroom, but especially her role in the community. She's that fabric that keeps uh, the whole thing ticking.
18: Toronto FC had a visitor at its practice today that they didn't invite—an alligator. And once he started moving, the players started moving in the other direction, rather wisely, I might add. The uh, the, uh, Toronto FC, what am I saying? Raptors. Toronto FC should actually sign this guy and make him a defender because nobody will go near their net again. (laughs) Wow. He's quick.
1: All right. Thanks, Squire.
18: Here's Sarah McDonald
2: now with a preview of Global News at 11. Sarah?
14: Yeah, Chris, Sophie, after being at large for weeks, Vancouver police say the man wanted in connection to a high-profile hate crime is now in custody. The prime suspect in a racially motivated incident at the Chinese Cultural Center has been arrested. We've got the latest. Plus, one day after the Vancouver School Board decides to part ways with its officer liaison program, the trustees in New Westminster will decide on the fate of that city's program tonight. Those stories and more coming up at 11. Chris?
2: Sounds good. Thank you, Sarah.
1: Up next, food trucks under fire in Steveston. Why the mobile eateries fear they're being driven out. Well, food trucks are among the many businesses hit hard by the pandemic, but they're now running into a new roadblock in Richmond.
2: That's right. A number of them were issued licenses to operate in Steveston, but the city of Richmond is now driving them away. Ted
3: Chernecki explains why and what the trucks plan to do instead. There's a food fight brewing in Steveston. On one side, certain merchants who don't want popular food trucks stealing their business. And on the other, the city licensed food truck operators who are now being told to leave.
15: We're not uh, going to just cut them off
16: to the knees and say good luck.
3: But that's exactly how the operators of Shameless Buns feel, saying only a few merchants in Steveston are using their influence at City Council to revoke their license. This uh, Steveston Mafia, as they call it, that uh, uh, likes to strong-arm and bully small businesses. The irony here is we're all small businesses. So why are there other small businesses bullying small businesses?
4: Why can't we all just work together?
3: The Steveston Merchants Association says no one's against food trucks. They don't impact mainstream restaurants, but they do compete against about a half dozen
4: grab-and-go food outlets. Two of them were, um you know... Very upset. They're, they're you know, at the point of, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it, and now you're going to put a food truck right across the street
3: from me? They have to pay property taxes and utilities year-round while food truck owners pay no property taxes. However, they do pay $250 a day to the private property owner for use of their parking lot. But Richmond says they've become aware of a bylaw that prohibits sales on private land.
8: The situation is pretty much unprecedented. Um What's the alternative? Uh, they shouldn't have been given a business license in the first place. They contravene uh, the zoning bylaw and the other bylaws, and so uh, we have to do something about it. It it just isn't fair to
6: others. This is the best-
3: Shameless Buns estimates 90% of their sales are from people who come to Steveston just for them, the only Philippine food truck in Metro Vancouver.
11: They've offered to move us immediately to Britannia Shipyards, um, which is away from the town, uh, so it would not be the same business that we are doing now.
3: The owners of Shameless Buns says it will refuse to leave and will instead opt for a business license review hearing next month where they can argue their case. Ed Global News.
18: Well, now I want to try those fries. They look so good. That is a great name, Corvette Romero.
2: (laughs) It is. (laughs) It really is is good. All right, last uh, look at weather before we go, Christy.
17: Sure, so a few showers tomorrow. Best chance of seeing those would be in the afternoon. Uh, Back to some sunshine, though, on Thursday. Sounds
2: good, and thanks for watching, everyone.
17: Good night, all.